if Jesus is the center, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? If it all fell apart, you're going to say, praise the Lord, God. Where's that new door? This one's shut. Oh, with a loud bang, but okay. That must mean, God, you got another one. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about my eight to five. It's not about my paycheck. It's not about my bank account. It's about Jesus. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews this morning, and I've got a lot of scripture. But before I do that, I want to talk about two of our most important ministries in this church. Every ministry we have is critically important, but there's two particular ministries that are of utmost important. I've talked about the worship, but these are our prayer ministries. Jenny Britt, who was just up here. Jenny, wave your hand. Wave your hand up high, up high. There you are. She heads up our intercessory prayer team. Every Sunday morning, back in in a little room back here, people meet to pray. And one of the reasons that we have the presence of God that we have in our church on Sunday mornings? How many sense we have a pretty incredible presence of God in our church? It's because people are praying and worshiping during this intercessory prayer time. So if you want to be a part of that, I would encourage you uh, to come. Nine o'clock is when it starts. Nine o'clock is just down this hallway. There's a sign that says prayer team. Okay, uh, intercessory prayer team. And so I would encourage you. You say, well, pastor, what if I come and I'm just not, I'm just not feeling, I mean, I'm going through stuff myself. The best place for you to be is in that prayer room. Go down there and they'll lay hands on you. They might cast out whatever is bothering you. Don't know. But be a part of that. The second part happens at the end of our service. It's called our altar prayer team. Jenny, raise your hand. Jenny Summers leads our altar prayer team. When we open the altars, whether it's during service, before service, after service, and people come, these people come to pray for them. Our council comes at times, our leadership comes at times, but Jenny Summers is always leading that altar team. And I I just want to do something. Jenny Summers, I want you to stand up. Jenny Britt, all these Jennies, would you stand up? I want you to begin to pray for these two people specifically. Why? Because the assaults of hell...
don't happen to the church whole. It happens to the church individual. Are you with me? And so if he can stop us from praying, he can stop us from staying. A poet don't know it. So these two people, Jenny, G-I-N-N-I, and Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, my wife says I say it's Southern Janny, not quite that. They need your prayers, and they need your participation. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't have a clue what to say to pray. Well, if you will come, you will learn. Why? Because it's not about what's taught. It's about what's caught. You'll learn these things to be a part of a prayer altar ministry. Talk to Jenny Summers, okay? To be a part of our intercessor prayer team, talk to Jenny Britt. These are critical ministries in our church that we'd love you to be a part of, okay? Let's let them know how much we appreciate them for taking the battle. talked about lots of different things. Now let's get into God's word. For years, thank you for your prayers. My voice is doing much better. Uh, I, I, I've got all kinds of medication I'm taking. I went back and, and you know, apparently I got bronchitis a few years ago and it just gets worse. Uh, every year they say you're just going to have it. Just So we bought some different things and I have this, this, this nebulizer machine. I feel like Darth Vader. <laughs> You know, and so I'm taking that thing and all kinds of pills. And my wife swears she's going to take a picture of me doing it and put it on Facebook. And I've told her to promise not to. So she's promising. If anybody sees it, call me. Okay. So thank you for your prayers. And thank you for those that have encouraged me to get rest. I've been resting. I've been trying to get as much rest as possible. Uh, next week, I'm going to enjoy uh, worshiping together. Pastor Philemon is going to speak uh, next week. And so I'm going to be up here worshiping in the front row with my wife. And so it's going to be a wonderful time as Pastor Philemon brings God's word. And then in two weeks, I'm going to start a series on heaven. I'm going to talk to you about what heaven's going to really be like, what the Bible says. I've not been there. I've read lots of books of people that have, but what heaven's going to be like as far as God's word. How many would like to hear about heaven? Amen. We're going to Start that in two weeks. For years, in your notes, I've made this statement. There are more victories won by choice than there are by chance. I have never in my entire life of anything I've ever read or heard found anybody that ever fell to the top of a mountain. They had to climb. They had to work. They had to do something. Today, we know many of our family and friends and loved ones are already in heaven. But there's going to be a day coming that we, like them, had to do something to get there, have to make a decision. I've been doing this series on the law of the harvest, and today, uh, without equivocation, I'm going to teach you how to receive the harvest God has promised. And it's right in your notes that God is our source God is our supply. We got to get that settled once and for all. Too many of us think if I don't get a raise at work, my I'm not going to make ends meet. It's not your paycheck that's going to take care of making ends meet. 
It's God's supply and provision. This is why we can make it through life with much or little. This is why a man like the Apostle Paul could say, I have learned at whether I have much or I have little. I have learned to be content. It didn't just happen. He learned. How did these people make heaven? They made a decision to believe God's word, to accept God's provision, and in that they received the ultimate harvest God promised. But what about you and I? How is that done right here and now? It's not rocket science. Very simply, you make a choice to come over to Christ with your whole life. Therefore, you are able to overcome the world. You come over to Christ with a whole heart of a commitment, then you overcome every situation in the world. Years ago, when we uh, were pastoring Victorious Life in, in the Bay Area of California, pastored there for many years, this church was birthed in California. We had the privilege of being part of the largest Billy Graham crusade that ever came to the Bay Area. When the crusade first came, I thought, okay, there's a lot of decisions that I understand will be made, but I don't know there'd be a lot of disciples. And so I started talking to the people that were doing that, and we became very instrumental in helping that crusade come to the Bay Area. We rented the San Jose Convention Center. It was just, it was huge. It was glorious. It was a wonderful time. But the thing that intrigued me is basically the just of this sermon, and it's in your notes. The slogan of Billy Graham's crusade is, where do you want to be tomorrow? I want you to look at me because I'm going to ask you over and over this morning, where do you want to be tomorrow? You're not just going to fall there. You're not just going to happen there. You're going to make a decision today of where you want to be tomorrow. You see, what Billy Graham wants is the same thing that Jesus wants and the whole purpose that Victorious Life exists, and that is to make disciples, not just decisions. Lots of people pray prayers when they're, when they're shooken up, but when they're going smooth, God's the furthest thing from their mind. Don't look at me like that. I know I'm talking correct. But Jesus wants to be the center of everything. Always. Not in the bad times only, but in the good times. Where do you want to be tomorrow? See, that's the difference between a decision and a disciple. Now, and I'm going to say something very hard. I am not a proponent of this new Christian phrase, we're becoming followers of Christ. Do you know to follow somebody, you don't even have to be with them? How many followed the Cardinals yesterday? How many were on the field? How many were throwing the ball? How many were catching? Oh, you're still a follower of the Cardinals, aren't you? You don't have to be a part of them. You can just be the fan club. We've got a lot of fans of Jesus. But Jesus is looking for disciples. Am I making any sense today? I'm going to teach you today how to receive the harvest. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, and I underlined it in your notes. I think I did. I underlined it in mine. This is your key. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Is it, is it underlined in your notes? Let us throw off everything that hinders. And then I think it's interesting, the sin that so easily entangles. You know why it says the sin? Because 90% of the time, you and I fall flat-faced in the same spot almost every time. You don't have to lift your hand, but how many here find yourself dealing with the same issues? Daily? Weekly? Monthly? See, this is what the Word of God says when it says the sin. There's always that place that ensnares us, entangles us. And God says, you got to make some decisions about those things and that place. And then it goes on. <coughs> it says, let us run with perseverance. That's, a, that's just a fancy word for the word patience. The race, the life that is set out before us. Then it gives us a second part that enables us. First, we've got to throw off everything. And then it says what? We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Who is he? The beginner and the finisher. The author, the finisher. In the text we're using, it says the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorned its shame or despised its shame, and he set down the right hand of the throne of God. And then look what it says here. Here's the third thing it tells us to do. Consider him, in other words, emulate his life as he opposed the world. Consider him, how he endured such opposition from sinners. that you don't grow weary and lose heart. You see, the enemy of our soul is continually trying to undermine and chop us down, that we lose heart because we've grown weary. I know people, sadly, too many people, that have given up on church. And they say, well, I've not given up on God. I've just given up on church. You can't do one without the other, folks. Because the God who said, I've made the church, doesn't want you to give up on it. Now, understand, we give up on church because we got our focus on people. Are you with me? People hurt people. People do dumb things. Look at somebody and say, Pastor's not talking about me right now, so don't worry about it. People do dumb things. How many know people do things they shouldn't do? Anybody here want to be bold enough to say that's me? Okay. He wants us to grow weary. The enemy does. He wants us to lose heart. So let's, let's break this down and ask that question, where do I want to be tomorrow? First thing I want to do is I want to challenge your love for the world. How much impact does this world have in your life? 
And if it has major impact, let me ask you, what is it really offering you? Three score and ten, maybe? A decent paying job? Some kind of retirement? What's the world really offering you? What is this world really giving? Look, look at the apostle. He urges us to make a decision. And throughout Hebrews 12, I see these words screaming out, where do you want to be tomorrow? And so I ask you, what holds you back? I, I love the word of God because the word of God never answers a question, or asks a question without giving an answer. Isn't that pretty cool about God? He doesn't only ask you what you're doing. He tells you what you need to do about what you're doing. I love it in the Garden of Eden. Adam, where are you? Like God didn't have a clue where Adam was. Think about it for a second. Adam's running around naked. Oh, excuse me. He's wearing designer fig leaves now. First designer clothing articles have found the Garden of Eden. And God said, you know, those fig leaves ain't happening. So God has to go kill an, uh, an animal and give him clothes. Yes, God didn't have a problem with killing animals for purpose. Okay? Just thought I'd throw that out there. Where do you want to be tomorrow? God asked Adam and Eve, what's holding you back? Where are you at? Do you realize what you have got caught up into? So he says, you got to make some decisions, but then he tells us how you got to make some commitments. And what's he tell us to do? Lay aside every weight, everything, and the sin. That one thing that you keep falling back into. And run. Endure. Set out. You know what the word of God is telling us to do? He's encouraging us to do what Jesus did. You say, Pastor, what did Jesus do? He laid aside everything for the Father's will. You know why the, the devil couldn't trap Jesus up? Because it wasn't about him. Remember the wilderness, the 40 days, when the devil shows up, says, turn this, this, brick, this uh, rock to bread? When he said, you know, if you'll worship me, I'll do this. You know why I never tripped Jesus up? Because it was never about Jesus. I, excuse me, never about him himself. It was about God. It was about his father. He said, I'm doing what I'm doing because dad told me to do it. Do you know how victorious your life could be if every single decision you make and every day you woke up, you say, okay, God, today's your day. I know that. So what do you have for me to do? Where am I going today? Instead, we get up in the morning, we get showered and shaved and, and, and foo-fooed up and fixed up and put our shoes on. We walk out the door, never have a clue where we're going. Throw off all these things. Say, Pastor, it's easier said than done. No, I'm going to tell you it's easier done than said. Let's move on here. Be like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He endured all that all could endure. He didn't ask you to do something or me to do something that he did not first do. Many give up on God simply because they have a stronger desire to be part of the world. 
there is a man in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I don't have time to talk about it, but his name is Demas. He used to be one of the Apostle Paul's best disciples. But you find his life, I preached a message years and years ago. I probably, I, I probably should you know, get my Bible out and redo it. And I titled the message, The Chronicle of a Backslider. How somebody turns away from God. And so this man, Demas, Paul is talking about how great he is. The second time you hear about him, he says, you need to bring Demas with you. The third time you hear about Demas, he says, Demas has forsaken me because he loves the present world more. Where do you want to be tomorrow? Why is it so that Demas had to deal with this when he's walking with one of the most powerful men on earth? I guess it could be the same reason Judas did it when he was walking with the Son of God. You see, it boils down to this. There is and always will be a daily commitment, a daily decision that you and I must face as we willingly decide what we're going to do tomorrow. Adam and Eve faced it. I talked about them already. Before they bit the forbidden fruit, Noah and all of mankind faced it before the flood. Abraham and his family and Lot, they faced it before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was faced by Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness and challenged them to choice. Who are you going to serve? Where are you going to be tomorrow? It was faced in Joshua's time at the death of Moses when God said, Josh, it's not about Moses, it's about me. I, I, I've used this statement before in the book of Numbers, Joseph, uh, uh, excuse me, the books of Joshua. Uh, the first words of encouragement that God gave Joshua, he spoke to Joshua, he said, Joshua, Moses is dead. Do you know why? There's many of us that want to hang on to what shoulda, coulda, woulda, but wasn't. It wasn't. There's many of us that sometimes want to get back what used to be. And I ask people all the time, what changed? It or us? I love my wife as much today, if not more, than the day I married her. I could be the other way. You could too. But what happens? Choices, decisions. See, what we do about tomorrow, what is it that we're going to face? Very simply, at every corner, down every alley, over every mountain, through every valley, every day, every time, every year, every moment, what is it we're going to face? People, circumstance, tangible, intangible. These are called weights. These are called desires. These are called sins. Simply what it is is anything that sets us about, above, or away from God. Can somebody say amen? The entire world is continually trying to distract. Now, I'm going to share a couple hard scriptures. They're in your notes, and I want you to listen very carefully. Because I'm talking about how to receive the harvest. And this is why many don't receive the harvest. Let's look at 1 John. What does it say? Do not love the world or anything. Say that with me. Anything 
that is in the world. If anyone loves the world, what's it say? Too many times there's things in our life that become God. I know people that their job is their God. I know people that their family is their God. I know people that their football team is their God. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in there. I mean, nobody was really caught up with the Cardinals last night. I'm not going to talk about the Steeler folks around here someplace. Say, we're over here. Where are they at? Oh, there they are over there. <laughs> are they playing this year? Are they playing? I mean, oh, they're playing today. Oh, I can tell. It's not their God or that's where he would be. I pastored in, in Tyler, Texas, very first church I did. Do you know the Cowboys? Anybody know the Cowboys? Yes. I don't want any boos and hisses, okay? Do you know what they do on Super Bowl Sunday if the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl? They don't have church. I am as serious as a heart attack. I, I was, it was funny. I was pastoring, in the, and the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl. I come to church on Sunday morning. Where are the people? They're getting ready for the bowl. I'm getting ready for the king, and they're getting ready for the bowl. See, there's, there's all kinds of distractions. There's all kinds of things that the enemy is trying to do. To do what? To steal your harvest. <coughs> to steal all the plans the promise, and the pursuit. That's why God says, don't love anything in the world because if you do, it's going to try to take the place of the Father. Everything that's in the world does not come from God. And then it outlines them. The desire of the flesh, the things, the lust of the eyes, the things that the eyes want, the pride of life. These all things come from the world. And it says, all that's going to pass away. But the man who obeys God will have what he wants forever. What do you want to be tomorrow? Then another hard scripture says these words, don't you realize whose ever slave you become are the things you obey? You can be a slave to sin, that leads to death, or obey God, which leads to righteousness. Too many of us are allowing the distractions, the weights, that sin. Look at the word of God says. Do you want the harvest? Do you want to be what God wants you to be tomorrow? Throw off everything. Whatever the main focus in this world is that continually lures you from instead of draws you to the plan, the purpose, and the pursuit of Christ, God said, throw it off. The second thing I want to spend just a moment on is to look at the love that we have for this world. Now let's make it personal. Let's look at the love we have for our own life. The Bible says, what is our life? It's here for a moment, then it's gone. People say, well, pastor, I've got to make plans. I've got to do. Yes, you do. Jesus, be the center of my plans. Look what it says here in James chapter 4. It's another one of those hard scriptures. 
See, I'm talking about the harvest. Look at me quickly, quickly, look at me. How many want the harvest God has promised? You really want it? Okay. Look what it says. Listen, you who say tomorrow, today, I'll go to this city. I'll go make money. I'll go get a good job. I'll go do this. I'll go do that. I'll go do whatever the case is. Look what the scripture says. You don't know anything about tomorrow. What is your life? It is but a fog. This is the New Living Translation. You see it, and soon it's gone. How do I receive the harvest? Here's your answer. What you should say, if the Lord wants me to, I will do this or I will do that. When's the last time you made your morning before you go to work on Monday and say, God, this is your day. Thank you for your job. Thank you for the wife you've given me, the husband you've given me, the children you've given me. Thank you, God, that it's all about you and not about me. Say, Pastor, is it ever about me? No. It's not. It's not about me. It's about the one that gave his life. And how do I get my life? Through giving it back to him. That's how the harvest comes. That's how the fulfillment comes. Pastor, I just want to be happy. Well, then stop trying to be happy and give your life to Christ. You mean if I give my life to Christ, I'm not going to be happy? Nope, you'll be fulfilled. And then happiness will follow. Mm, This is good preaching. Pastor Philemon, if I didn't come today, I wouldn't be able to hear this. I tell you, I'm glad. There's two things that basically have to transpire when I consider my life and how I receive the harvest. Number one is preparation. It's interesting. That was part of the word of the Lord this morning before I ever preached. You see, we receive the most from that which we give the most. You'll exactly get out of life what you put into it. If you put Jesus at the center of your life and you make him the focus and you make his plans and purpose and pursuit the reason you do what you do, the word of God guarantees you will reap that back. We have to deal with anything that stands between us and God. Things are literally dead weights upon our soul. It doesn't matter if they're worry. There's a little tongue-in-cheek thing that I've said for years. Worry is like rocket, like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, just doesn't get you anywhere. Worry doesn't change anything. Goals, desires, possessions, ambitions, these are all snares the enemy in this world uses to cause us to walk away from God. That word wait in the original language, in the Greek language, talks about anything that's prominent or considered a burden, whether it's good or bad. It's interesting. They had this $1.5 billion lottery that three people have won. And I was reading 
some different lawyer statements and some different psychologist statements. And they said the biggest issue they have to deal with in receiving all that money, you know the word they used? The burden of it. When I walk in and I got 10 bucks in my pocket, John Macklin's going to look at me one way. If I walk in and I got 10 million in my pocket, Brother Macklin's going to be looking at me a different way. Potentially. Not necessarily. I have to qualify that. Are you with me? There's a burden. It even comes with blessing. That's why Jesus told us these words. He said, Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. My burden is light in Matthew 11. My burden, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, come to me, you that are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. The second thing that we see that is an issue, if we're going to obtain the harvest, it's not just preparation, but it's also perfection. Now, when I talk about perfection, I'm not talking about perfectionism. The Word of God, when it says that you must be perfect, it means you must mature. Second Timothy 2.15 says that we mature as we rightly handle God's Word in the application of our life. Perfection deals with our commitment to living for God our life in Christ. Because we have chosen and made a commitment to maturing in the things of God, do you know what we get? We get patience. When things bad happen, okay. When things good happen, okay. I can patiently work through the whole process because I don't have to be lifted up in all kinds of adulation when things are good happening, nor do I have to be thrust down to the bottom of the barrel when bad things are happening. Do you ever see yourself vacillate that way? And I'm, I say it out of love, folks. This is a maturity issue. <coughs> God tells us he wants us to understand. He won't let us go through anything we can't handle, nor will he give to us things that are too much for us. Our life, the Bible says, has been marked out. You know what has been marked out in? Promise, provision, and promotion. But along with promise, provision, and promotion, we also find suffering, service, and sacrifice. Our life, what do we want to be tomorrow? Three things that I have here if we're going to obtain the harvest. Number one is patience. The Bible says that the sun rises on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The storms will come to the just and the unjust. We have to have patience and realize life is going to be full of stuff. The second thing is we have to understand perseverance. Now, perseverance and patience are closely related other than one knows, accepts, and understands, but the other two takes it a notch further and says, I know, I accept, I understand, and I'm going to press on. 
That's what perseverance is all about. Perseverance resists the temptation to give in, give out, or give up. I know God has a harvest for me if I don't grow weary, if I don't quit, if I don't faint, if I don't give up. So I have to have the patience. I understand this is life. And folks look at somebody and say life happens. It's part of life. It just happens. But I persevere. Why? Because I understand, even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, I'm confident in the one that holds tomorrow. I don't have to worry about this stuff. And why can I do this? Why can I be so confident? It's because of the third one. It's called persuasion. In my life, I have made a decision, and with that decision, it's followed with a commitment that it's God's will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's why I can do, and you can do too. (coughs) Am I making sense? I'm outlining very clearly how do we live a life of harvest? How do we receive what God has promised? Faith and patience, it's on the screen. I want you to hear this. Are the conquering graces that you and I must cultivate and keep alive in our lives. And we do that by the exercise of our love for God and his word every single day. Let me begin to wrap this up as we look at point three. I would say in closing, but this church knows very well when the pastor says in closing, it means absolutely nothing. In closing... That was actually funny. I, I have to remember that one because my humor is not usually that funny. That was, was actually pretty good. We have to, we have to, look at me again, take your eyes off the nose for a second. We got to look at this world, folks. What is this world, world really offering us? What if you hit the one and a half billion dollar lotto? Okay. There's Christians that say you shouldn't play. There. I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. You're, you should, you know that in Christ yourself. What is the world really offering What has your life really filled you with? These are the things the enemy wants to use to continually distract. So I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes talking about our love for God. You see, the Bible talks about he as our source, our fulfillment, He says to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our strength. Why? Because the harvest fully comes with full commitment. We have the greatest encouragement in our scripture, the Lord Jesus. And we are told that our strength, our victory, comes from looking to him. The author, the finisher, the the, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. He is the beginner, he is the finisher, and he is the rewarder, according to Hebrews 11.6. And he is not only the object of our faith, but he is the one that gave us the ability to even have faith. He is the reason for our faith. And let me just tell it to you as I wrote it. He proposed it, he promised it, he purchased it, 
He published it. And after he gave us the purpose and propensity of predisposition, let me say, because he did, I can. This is where I stand. This is the victory that I have. Philippians 1.6 says he will finish everything he began. And he finished what he started, which enables us to complete what we've begun, that we can receive what he's promised enabling us to live a victorious Christian life. Back in our scripture, it says he he endured the evil conduct with great patience. And then it says he despised the shame. Why could he endure that? Because he knew this is only the journey. I have a destination. This is going to get me to where I'm going, but more so it's going to fulfill what I've accomplished. It's going to make a joy come to pass. And that joy, very simply put, was January 17th, 2016, Victorious Life Christian Center, people filled with those naming the name of Jesus. That's what took him to Calvary and beyond. You see, he knew he'd make peace between God and man, therefore sealing the covenant of grace. As the worship team comes, I want us to understand the harvest is guaranteed if we'll make a commitment to it. Why? Because nothing passes between heaven and earth except through him. And in all, We have been given the awesome privilege, distinguished honor, and grave responsibility to do three things. Number one, to have the harvest, we got to look to him. He is the one that was before us. He is the one that will continue on with us, and he'll be there waiting for us. The second thing is we have to consider him. Consider him where he's been, what he's done, where he's at, what he's doing. And then thirdly, is realize that the advantage of victory comes only through Christ. Can I tell you, you can win that lotto and still not be happy. You can have millions and billions and trillions and still not be successful or satisfied. Do you know some of the people that throw their lives away the most are the people that have the most. Our advantage comes through Christ. He guarantees the victory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said these words as the Lord speaking to him, his grace is sufficient. You know what grace is? It's in your notes. Grace is the great enabler. It is not the perfecter. Grace enables us to overcome the fact that man and corruption still remains. And the best way to be enabled to see beyond this is to keep our eyes on Jesus, to consider all he has done, all he has given, and what he promises to do right now. And that is simply he has assured us that if we do go things through things, 
If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. I want you to look in your Bibles quickly. Open them up. It's on the screen, but I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because I want you to mark this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. It's after Romans. It's after Corinthians. It's after Acts. 2 Timothy chapter 4. When you're there, say amen. Starting with the seventh verse, Paul said these words. He said, I fought long and hard for my Lord, and through it all I have kept true to him. Now I want you to look at me before we read the rest. I fought long and hard for the Lord, and through it all I've kept true to him. Do you know why Paul could go to prison? Do you know why Paul could be left for dead three different times? Do you know why Paul could do all the stuff that he did? As he learned in his life that it was no longer about him. Sir, ma'am, if you and I want the greatest victory, we have to understand that eight to five isn't what you're here for. That paycheck is not what you're on this earth for. That husband, that wife is not what you're on this earth for. Those children, those grandparents is not what you're on. You're on this earth to bring glory to the one who left glory. And he said, if you will do that, that eight to five, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Those kids and grandkids, I'll take care of them. Don't worry. That mom, that dad, that brother, that sister, that employer, I'll take care. If you will just trust in me with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding, but in everything acknowledge me. I will take care of this stuff. He said the harvest, piece of cake. But you got to realize it's about the seed, which is my word. It's about the power of the seed, which is faith. It's about the promise of the seed, which is grace. But ultimately, it's about the harvest of everything that God has done. And that's your success. How many things would be so much easier if that's the way it was in life? I'm here to tell you it can be. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the up, the down. If we'll learn as Paul, through it all, it's all about him. Now the time has come for me to stop fighting the rest. Heaven, there's a crown waiting for me. Two weeks, I'm going to talk about this glorious place. And he said, you know who's going to give it to me? The Lord Jesus, the righteous judge. It's going to give to me on that day. And not just to me, but to all those who eagerly are waiting, looking and living till he returns. They're looking to him. What do you want to be tomorrow? It'll never happen without a commitment today. 
That's all Billy Graham wanted to know. That's all Jesus wants to know. And that's all this preacher wants to know. What do you want to be? A decision? Great. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to put it to practice? Pastor, when I leave here today, man, they're going to know I know Jesus. Good. You will be proven. I will be proven. What do we want to be tomorrow? What do we want to be? Do you want the harvest God's promised? We have to make this decision today. Jesus is the center of my life. Is he? Jesus is the center of my life. Is he? Or is your wife? Is your husband? Is your job? From the beginning to the end. It'll always be. It's always been. It has to be Jesus. Has to be. What do you want to be tomorrow? It begins today. You want to harvest tomorrow? What are we sowing today? Because we will reap what we sow. I want to take a moment as we're singing and I want to open these altars. And maybe the Lord has convicted you and you, you're not living in sin. You're not living away from God, but you have found all these distractions, all of these things pulling you away instead of pushing you towards. And you say, Pastor, that is today. Today I'm making a decision that Jesus is going to be the center. When I make decisions on my job, it's going to be because Jesus is the center. When I make decisions in my marriage, it's because Jesus is the center. When I make decisions in my work, it's because Jesus is the center. In my school, it's because Jesus is the center. In every aspect of my life, it's because Jesus is the center. And I know I will have the harvest He promised because He is the power, the provision, the promise of everything in my life. These altars are open. If you want to come and just make a recommitment, a rededication, say, God, today, beginning today, for the rest of my life, it's going to be about you. It's going to be about you. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess you, Jesus. Come on, church. Jesus, say that name. Jesus. Oh, come. These altars are open if that's you. These altars are open if you just want to make a new commitment. If you want to rededicate. If you want to say, God, today, I've never before, but today, from today forward, I'm going to make a new commitment every day, every moment is going to be about you. God, wherever it's at, wherever it's been, today. I want the harvest you promised. I want the victory you promised. I want the deliverance you promised. Today, I'm making a decision of what I'm going to be tomorrow. And as a recommitment, a dedication, a commitment to glory, a commitment to the King. It's all. Oh, it's from my heart. It's from my heart. Come on, church. Lift your heart. From my heart to the heaven. Jesus be the Savior. Father, in 
him to come and just lay hands on people. Pray. Our prayer team, our council, different leaders, just come and pray for people. Oh, it's all about you. God, from my heart, from my heart to the heaven. Father, I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, that you would just help us. God, we're making decisions. Help us, God, to follow those decisions with commitments. Commitments, God, that tomorrow we're going to be everything that we've committed our lives to be today. Oh, God, in Jesus' name. Of my life, Jesus, be the center of my life. Let's make a new commitment from beginning to the God, end. God, you're the center, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. praying and they'll go back to their chairs in just a moment I want this city that God has given us not just Victoria's life every church that's proclaiming the name of Jesus you know what I want when you as a Christian walks down the street they may not be able to tell you what it is but they know there's something different about you that happened in the Bible Oh, well, that's the Bible. What was different? Commitment. Very simple. You know what the commitment was? They committed their lives. They knew at any moment they could die for the gospel. But they were okay with that. You know why? Because they made a commitment to live for the gospel. And that's what happens. The harvest, it's guaranteed. But it only comes after the sowing, after the planting. You can't reap what you don't sow. 
in your life and in mine. All God is asking, what do you want to be tomorrow? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? What if it all, what if everything you're living for right now falls apart tomorrow? Is it going to really matter? If Jesus is the center, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? If it all fell apart, you're going to say, praise the Lord, God. Where's that new door? This one's shut. Oh, with a loud bang, but okay. That must mean, God, you got another one. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about my eight to five. It's not about my paycheck. It's not about my bank account. It's about Jesus. You say, preacher, it's easy for you to say that. It is. Because that's how I live. My wife and I have had lots. And we've had not lots. And you know what? I think we're still doing okay, aren't we? He'll do the same thing for you. He'll do the same thing for you. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.